Hi, and welcome to another episode of Pull Yourself Together with eShaver Booksellers. I'm Melissa. And I'm Jessica. And we're back from yet another one of our um, extended vacations, but, you know, Jessica had to go and pick her son up from college, which is very exciting. So she traversed the whole East Coast in like four days. <laughs> yes, it was a lot of driving. Um, in theory, I was going to listen to many, many books on the way. But in reality, I mainly sang along to the music I was listening to and thought my thoughts. <laughs> and mentally willed the deer not to jump into oh, the road. It was deer a palooza. I have never seen so many dead deer in all of my life. We could have fed thousands with the amount of deer that were dead on the side of the road. At least you were just seeing them dead on the side of the road and not up close and personal. No, I, I managed not to, although I, I'm going to give a shout out for Waze. I don't know whether anybody uses it, but they will tell you that there is wildlife on the side of the road. Um, hmm. It'll say danger, hazard, wildlife on side of road. Okay, well, that would just make me more paranoid. I'm already, like, I already have PTSD <laughs> from hitting deer when living in West Virginia. And, like, they, like seriously, it's... Um, there were two <laughs> deer-related accidents on the way up, yeah. right outside of, um, one outside of Martinsburg and one outside of Hagerstown. Mm -hmm. The one outside of Hagerstown was eight miles away from my hotel, so How I long did it take to go those eight miles? Two hours. Fun. It was really nice. <laughs> yeah. It was good times. Good times. But mission accomplished and... Um, the yeah. package has been secured. And the package has been secured. On the way back, um, Waze, the fastest route, I just hit fastest route, and it took us directly through New York City, which was exciting and not really what I had planned on. So, um, yeah, we drove kind of on the Bronx Expressway and then came down and went through Newark and then took the Jersey Turnpike. Oh, right. And then popped back over to the Shenandoah Valley. So it was, um, it was, it was an interesting, interesting drive. <laughs> You've seen it all. <laughs> I've seen a lot, that's for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, uh. so what, what did you listen to? Well, okay. I finally, I started listening to the new Matt Haig book, The Midnight Library. Mm -hmm. um, and Tanner, one of our booksellers, had told me that the beginning of it was depressing, but then it got better. And I did find that, indeed, the beginning of it was extremely <laughs> depressing. And I don't want to give away too much, but it is a woman who is not having a good time at life at all. Um, the decisions that she's made have ultimately taken her from promising to working part-time in a music shop that she's been doing for the past eight to ten years. Um, and, and it just goes from bad to worse to even worse. I'm just going to mention that there's a death of a pet that takes place. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I decided that maybe this wasn't the book that I needed to be listening to. <laughs> That's not a, your happy road trip read. No, and I, I normally love books like this, and, and it does get happier. I mean, I made it to the... I don't want to give too much away. So it does get happier. I made it probably 15 chapters into the book, 10 chapters into the book. And, um, and I really enjoyed it. I'm just not in the right frame of mind to listen to something that's quite that sad right now. Yeah. Um, so I need I needed happy. So on mm -hmm. the way back with Henry, I um, there is a book that I downloaded 
that I've been meaning to read, wanting to read, that my all of my children have read and absolutely loved, except for Henry, so my older two children. Um, and everyone who reads it loves it. And I was worried because, <laughs> you know, once a book's, you have expectations, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't live up to it, and then I would have to talk about my having read it with these people who love this book. But Henry and I started listening to The Name of the Wind. It's a really long book, but we had a good 16 hours to listen. Is that Patrick Rothfuss? It is Patrick okay. Rothfuss. And so we, d- we did not finish it, but I would say I'm more than halfway through it now. And it, it absolutely does not disappoint. If you like high heroic fantasy, this is the book for you. If you're looking for something that is kind of like Lord of the Rings, except without all the poetry, um, <laughs> or, you know, the world building is excellent. The writing is excellent. Mm-hmm. He gets all the little details that sometimes throw me off, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you mention someone's eyebrows and then never mention them again, but it made a big deal out of it. It annoys me because I'm like, well, what was that about? But he, everything is consistent and there's a reason for everything he says, which I really appreciate it. Um, it does, uh, it, well, it's just very well done. Um, so I'm looking forward to finishing it. I'll definitely finish it. And uh, probably in February when we head back up to Vermont, <laughs> I will um, maybe jump into the next one. Um, this is book one in the King Killer Chronicle. Um, I know book two is out, and I believe that book three is somewhere on the horizon. Mm. I will admit that I have not read anything by Patrick Rothfuss except for four words that he's written to other things mm. and his Goodread reviews of books. Yeah. And just based on that writing alone, I'm sure he his books are excellent. Because even like... Goodread reviews of books like he he puts he puts work into it and like yeah. it you know it well it's it's consistent world building there is magic but the magic follows specific rules mm-hmm. which I appreciate so it's not just random magic that makes no sense so is it high fantasy that has like the weird made up names that are hard to pronounce if you're well, reading them because that throws me off in fantasy um so kind of but since i'm listening to it it's a little bit right it's a little bit different um and you know when i read um when i read fantasy i think because i've spent i'm one of those weird kids like many of us who read a lot art where i read a lot when i was young and i had absolutely no one to talk about the books with and so i have been a mispronouncer of names Forever. Oh, me too. Yeah. And in my head when I'm reading it, I will sometimes just give them a common name that starts with the same letter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, but it, it still bothers me like when I have to sit there and think about it for a minute, like how to actually pronounce that name. And there are times where they'll be so strange that I think about it every time that the name <laughs> comes up and it really just it it like you said, it's like one of those things that kind of pulls you out of the story. Yeah, it, for whatever reason, um, I, over the years, am good at glossing over that, and I just kind of come up with a pronunciation in my head and go with it throughout the book, and um, then usually years later when I'm discussing it with someone, I'm horribly embarrassed uh, 
by my well ignorance. <laughs> well, so. so there have been lots of times where I've been reading um, a book a specific, specifically for like the science fiction and fantasy book club, mm-hmm. and Tim will be listening to it because he can listen to it while he's doing other things. And then when we're discussing the book, I'm like, well, this guy did this, and he was like, oh, you mean blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Shut up. Yes. <laughs> well, this one... Um, it's really good. The main character, um, so you sort of start in this very small village. The main character is an innkeeper um, or appears to be an innkeeper and barkeep. And um, and the story goes on and you find out that there's much more to him than that. And um, it's told and then um, you, you get little hints of of him being more and then finally a chronicler comes um and he ends up telling him his story more or less so it's it's a different format but i appreciate it um and then he'll stop telling the story and you know like go to get food or a drink or something and um yeah it's very it's it's very good world building and again i just appreciate the writing is is Excellent. Okay. I mean, it, you, you don't get pulled out of it at all. Now, it's not for the faint of heart. It's no, a long it's one. A, it's a big one. It's a big one, but it goes very quickly. And um, yeah, it's a very medieval kind of world okay. that it takes place in. Um, and there are, um, they're not magic, they're not like magical beings like in Lord of the Rings. It's not quite like that, but there are magical beings. There are the Fae that live in an alternative universe mm-hmm. but can come into the earth into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not describing it well, but I, I think reading it would actually almost be better than listening to it because there are a lot of legends and myths that you have to go back to in it. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes things stick better when I look at them on the page than um, uh, for me too. I, yeah. like listening to things. I tend to, I get, I get the high points. I don't get a lot of the uh, detail. Yeah, and I got a lot of the detail, but it was also, you know, I was driving and I was yeah. doing some pretty complex driving um, <laughs> down the East Coast, <laughs> and then there were the deer. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, I am delighted to find that it is something that I probably will um, read the second book and look forward to the third book, because it's been a while since I've had a fantasy series that I really like. I tend to like high fantasy um, that doesn't that's more in the vein of Tolkien mm-hmm. um that has a lot of um oh, I guess symbolism and um excellent world building and and a more literary writing style yes a more literary writing style and so um so yes uh, this Catherine Arden mm-hmm. um the, my cup of tea Okay, so what one? What was it called again? Oh, it is the name of the wind. The name of the wind. Okay. Yes. All right. So I have finally gotten around to reading the third book in the Darker Shades of Magic trilogy Ooh. by V. E. Schwab, mm-hmm. um, because I loved Addie Larue so much, it made me um, want to go back and finish this series. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people who don't know about the Darker Shades of Magic series. Um, Kind of the crux of the series is that there are four alternate Londons. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's Gray London, which is mundane London, our our reality our world, yeah. um, that doesn't have magic, and it is set during the time period of um, 
the end of King George's reign when he's gone mad. When um, he's gone yumpy? When he's gone a bit yumpy. Yes. Um, so there's, there's Grey the London. The Regency period. The Regency period, yes. Um, and then there is Red London, mm-hmm. which has a thriving magical culture. Um, it's interesting because the different Londons have almost the same typography, like the... There's the river that runs mm-hmm. through London. Um, they call it different things in each of the different Londons, but but every London is London. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Black London, which is basically non-existent anymore. They've burned out their whole society through mm-hmm. overuse of magic. And then there's White London, which is on its way to burning out their society. Um, They have overused magic as well, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to kind of come back from the precipice. So in their use of magic, I read the first one, but it's been so long ago Mm -hmm. because I read it when it first came out because my kids wanted to read it. Well, we read it for a science fiction book club. Yeah, and we read it for science fiction book club. Boy, I've read it twice. It's been a while. Um, When was that? That was... Oh, it's been a couple years at this point. Yeah, so remind me of how their system of magic works. Well, so there are um, certain people, and they're called Antari, and they are the people who can, um, the only people who can move between the different worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have the ability to act as messengers between worlds. Um, And there's only one of them in each of the Londons. Like, they're a very rare people. Um, and they, it's basically blood magic. Like they cut themselves and then they use words, but it's the blood that has the power. So how can you overuse the magic? I guess that's what I'm getting to. Um, they don't really explain how it happens. They just Mm -hmm. say that it has happened. Um, and so the, so those are the, the high magic users, but there also are, priests that can use magic and mm-hmm. there is magic in the society just in general but they they are not the high magic users like the Antari are that okay. can work be- between the different worlds um, so the first one focuses on Kel who is the right. Antari from Red London and um, basically these evil monarchs in White London and then the second book Um, which is Gathering of Shadows, focuses on um, another character from the series, Delilah Bard, Mm -hmm. who is like pirate slash thief. Um, And I didn't love that book as much because I don't love her character, which Mm -hmm. is why I kind of took a minute from reading the third one. But I finally got around to reading the third one. It's it's called Conjuring of Light. And so this one is kind of like where the big, you know, arc comes together Mm -hmm. and um, all the characters are back together and they're fighting against this one evil thing. So I really enjoy this series. I like the way she talks about magic. I like the interaction of the different worlds. Um, And I'm really enjoying... This brings all three of the known Antari together, and they're kind mm-hmm. of—they have a contentious relationship. They—they they don't get along, but they all have to get along to kind of fight against this one thing. So there's there's a lot of personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a lot of personality in her writing in general, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I would say she's almost more of a character builder than a world builder. 
Yeah, I think she she tends to focus more on character de- mm-hmm. development than world development. Um, because there are like mentions of these other kingdoms, mm-hmm. and um, in the second book, there's a big magical tournament, and so people come from all over to kind of fight in this tournament, and um, so there's just sort of glimpses, but she doesn't really expand that all that much. Yeah, that that is well, and that's kind of what I mean is I enjoy books like that, but with the name of the wind. Um, Everything is explained, and I really appreciate that mm-hmm. it's such a well-constructed world. Well, so I thought that this was supposed to be the end of this series, mm-hmm. but we just watched an author event with her where she was talking about um, Addie LaRue, and she was talking about that she's currently working on writing a fourth book in this series. Interesting. So I'm wondering if it's going to expand the world further out and look mm-hmm. at some of the more secondary characters because I feel like the story is pretty much mm-hmm. done with these characters. Interesting. Yeah, I, I love her writing, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong when I talk about the world building versus... I, I also love character-driven narratives. Mm-hmm. And so um, if the characters are good enough, and then... Yeah. Well, um, and there's also a um, graphic novel series that ties in with this mm-hmm. that um, are like prologues um but they're they focus on they're called they're the steel prince and the steel mm-hmm. prince is um kel's father who is the king okay. of red london so it's back when he was younger mm-hmm. um so i haven't picked those up yet but i'm interested now because i didn't want to i didn't want to read them before finishing the trilogy and because i didn't want any spoilers but um yeah. it, I- it ends very very well of the trilogy. So I'm, I'm it was a good ending. Yeah. She, she landed the ending. There. She did land the ending. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that a fourth book will not tinker with that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll see, good. I, I, you know, I enjoyed watching her and hearing her talk about Addie LaRue. I loved Addie LaRue. And, mm-hmm. um, so I think it'll be interesting to see whether she ventures more into the series world or whether she will do standalones like Addie LaRue. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty much everything else she's done has been in a series or Mm -hmm. like a duology there's been. Right. um, So I'd be curious to see if she starts doing more standalone stuff. And it's like these, I think the, the writing is good and I like her character development, but they kind of teeter Mm -hmm. YA sort of. Right. Well, I always thought of them as YA because they were, I mean, one of the reasons I picked up the first one, it was something my kids were interested in. And I had made my initial error with Game of Thrones with John. um, (laughs) Yeah, that's not YA. (laughs) When he was, well, somebody put it into his hand, a bookseller who said he would love it. And she was right. He did love it. The problem was he was 12, 13-ish and and yes, um, he learned a little more than you anticipated. He learned probably as much or more than I learned in the bodice rippers that my mom left <laughs> lying around the house. So, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, it, he seems to have managed to turn into a reasonable adult. And <laughs> it's not terribly <laughs> no, scarred no by permanent it. damage. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he flew through the series. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that experience, I I did a little more pre-reading before I put books into the kids' hands just to kind of make sure they were um, 
you know, I, I let my kids read widely. I was never much of a censor, but I didn't want them reading things that they didn't have any context for. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the more sexually explicit books, they just, you know, they were just too young for them. It wasn't that I wouldn't let them read them later on. It yeah. was just a matter of appropriate age yeah. and yeah. content. So. That's reasonable. Yeah. But yeah. Um, although we had a lot of books around the house and, oh yeah, I read things that were not appropriate age wise. (laughs) Oh well. John read Keith Richards a life when he was about 12. And, um, I feel that that was pretty eye opening for him, Mm -hmm. but you know, yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, let's see. I, um, I have started and I'm on about chapter seven. Actually, I am on chapter seven <laughs> of um, a book that I have been anticipating and I'm looking forward to. Um, and we didn't get a reader's copy until very late because they're not doing a lot of reader's copies. Um, but it's The Black, the White, and the Gray, the story of an unexpected friendship and a beloved restaurant. And it's written by Mashama Bailey and John O. Morisano. And um, I don't know whether any of our listeners know this, but The Gray is in Savannah. And prior to coming to work at E. Shavers, Melissa actually worked at The Gray. I did, yes. And um, this is a book that's been co-written between the two partners and owners of The Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gray is... It's, it's a fascinating story because um, the the restaurant is in what used to be the Greyhound bus station, mm-hmm. which is why it's called the Gray. Um, Jono came into Savannah. He and his wife had come down here and bought a house and then decided that they really kind of liked it and so hung around and split their time between here and New York, which happens a fair amount in Savannah. And then, um, and then he got interested in buying this property to restore it and turn it into a restaurant. He had never worked in the restaurant industry <laughs> Um, he had never managed a restaurant. Uh, he'd done lots of other things. And so he bought this derelict building. And, um, and this is the story of how he restored the building, found Mashama. They developed a partnership. Uh, Mashama is African-American. She grew up a little bit in Savannah, but mostly in Queens in New York. Mm -hmm. And, um, they're very different people, but they really complement each other. And both of their voices are heard in the book. And I just, the partnership they have and the way they're able to talk about things um, and the way the book is done, it's sort of Jono tells the story and then Mashama chimes in on the story. The beginning of it is very dramatic and sad, so that's why it's taken me a little while to get into it. Because in the beginning, they talk about the death of their restaurant manager and head bartender, Scott, mm-hmm. um, which was very tragic. And um, and Melissa and I were both here in Savannah when it took place, and it was really a loss for the whole community. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... They were out on 4th of July. They were coming back to get something to eat. And they were crossing Bay Street, which is a busier street in Savannah, but they were headed towards the city market area. And um, and there was some gang activity going on. Yeah. 
and a car raced around the corner. He pushed he some pushed people out of the way in front, and he got hit by the car. Um, so this is where the book begins, with both Mashama, mainly Mashama, and Jono talking about this mm-hmm. experience, and then they go from there yeah. to how they came to Savannah. But um, it's it's really well done, and I think that it will be an important book not only in the sort of food narratives, restaurant narratives, but also in the relationship between a white guy from Staten Island and an African-American woman who, you know, is from the South and not from the South as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Mashama's handling of the race issues and the way she talks about it in the book is just so great. It's so straightforward, but also, um, and, and not, doesn't pull a punch, but it's just done so rationally. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, I, and, and Melissa and I know both of these people. Mm-hmm. And so it's always a weird thing reading a biography written by people that you know, cause you, you know them, but you don't know all of their stories. Mm-hmm. And then, when you see them, you have this weird sense of knowing them better than you actually do. And yeah. it's a, it's an interesting place to be, but, um, maybe we'll be able to get them on our little podcast. That to would be super us. fun. Um, yes. and if you are visiting Savannah and haven't been to the gray, it's worth it just to see the renovation of the building. Uh, they did a beautiful job with it, but it honestly is, probably the best restaurant in Savannah. Um, the, the menu is just brilliant. Mashama is a brilliant chef. Mm -hmm. It's, um, everything about it is good. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's really fun to see, you know, they talk a lot about the, it was a old 1930s segregated bus station. Mm -hmm. So, um, a lot of the discussion of the South and segregation and, our history, the good, the bad, and the ugly, come up in this book. But I think that um, it's just handled very well, mm-hmm. and um, I appreciate so much about it. And I'm, I'm looking. I probably will finish it in the next day or so because <laughs> now that I'm in there, I really want to yeah to get through. Um, and it has recipes in it, mm-hmm. and it will have more pictures than it has now because um, this is a very rough draft that I'm reading. It should come out in January. And we hope to do some kind of something. It's hard to know where we're going to be. Then the gray is open now, and they are extremely careful um, with COVID. They've opened, shut down, opened again. Um, They're putting up a yurt village in the courtyard for (laughs) the winter where you can rent your own yurt and have dinner out there away from everyone else. and yes, if you're coming to Savannah, you definitely need to give the gray a try. Uh, it's it's an amazing place. Yes, absolutely. All right. So my mine are all skewing towards a certain theme this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have just been um, escaping with some science fiction fantasy books right now. Um, so... The next one I want to talk about is called um, Thief Taker, mm-hmm. and it's by D.B. Jackson, and it's the beginning of a series, which are the Thief Taker series, um, <laughs> appropriately the enough. Yeah. 
Um, they're interesting because they are the the closest thing I can equate them with is um, the Jim Butcher um, Dresden Files mm-hmm. uh, because it's a similar sort of idea. Um, it's a uh, private investigator who uses magic. But these take place in Boston, and the first one starts in 1765. So it Ooh, starts... Um, it's Revolutionary War period, mm-hmm. um, right before the Boston Tea Party. Um, he has interactions with, like, Samuel Adams and the Sons of Liberty. Um, so there's the magical kind of urban fantasy element, but set in a historical setting, Mm -hmm. um, which I am a complete sucker for um, American history about the Revolutionary War. And anybody who knows me knows I have a weird crush on Thomas Jefferson, (laughs) uh, which has existed since I was a child. I blame my parents for letting me watch the movie version of 1776 too many times (laughs) because Ken Howard was a tall drink of water. Um, And um, I just... Just think of all the founding fathers that Jefferson is an interesting choice for you. I, I know. And it's like he's such a complicated individual, and I read pretty much everything that comes out about him. Mm-hmm. And the more that I read about him, the more, you know, he was flawed in so many different ways. And he was weak in so many different ways. But he also was an incredibly talented individual who had interests that range so far and wide like Monticello is one of my favorite places on the planet like I just find it fascinating um but yeah he yeah anyway I digress about my my love of Thomas (laughs) Jefferson Um, that's something I need to talk to a therapist about probably he he definitely was a complicated man and Um, I can tell you that um Hamilton and David Diggs did nothing to help with my Thomas Jefferson problem (laughs) because I was there for that too um Anyway, <laughs> all right. The Thief Taker um, series. <laughs> um, just if you enjoy um, urban fantasy, just mm-hmm. um, it's just fun. Kind of lose yourself. You, you don't have to think too hard. Each one's kind of a standalone mystery, but then there is sort of an overarching story. Um, you could read them by themselves. You don't have to read the whole series. Um, they're just fun. I wish. I wish there was something out there like um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that I could read again because, mm. man, I need an escape like that right now. Yeah. And those books, gosh, um, yeah. all of them. Well, that's what uh, that's one of Tim's favorite series as well, mm-hmm. and he has been kind of on a, on a quest to find something similar. And the closest we've found thus far have been, like, Tom Holt's books, but right. even those are not... It just Douglas Adams writing is just well he was so brilliant there were so many yeah. different levels like there was one level where it was just fun and you didn't have to think too much and then there was a second level that had an awful lot of philosophy in it mm-hmm. that you could pick up on and mm-hmm. and you know and then there's his sense of humor and um then his Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency yeah. series um the long dark tea time of the soul and all of that I I just um I wish somebody recommended Terry Pratchett's Discworld series to me as something that was similar. And I will say that I did try to read the first one in the series, The Color of Magic. Mm -hmm. And I just did not get into it 
the, I'm going to give a shout out to those books because my kids love them. Mm-hmm. Henry has read every single Terry Pratchett. John mm-hmm. has read every single Terry Pratchett. And they love them. And Bill has read and listened to a lot of them. But again, I also... I couldn't um, get into them quite as much. Um, like, as I liked I, um, Good Omens that mm-hmm. Terry Pratchett wrote with Neil Gaiman. Yes, absolutely. Um, like, I loved that book. That's actually one of my favorites. But just Terry Pratchett's stuff on its own, I've not Well, I think there's not a, gotten into. a definite... Um, yeah, I think that there are people who just love him mm-hmm. as much as I love Douglas Adams. Yeah. Um, so... Yes, I just haven't found the thing that's filled that place that that Douglas-shaped hole in my heart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can be filled by nothing but, you know. A towel. A towel. Oh, a towel. Yes. <laughs> well, it's practical. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, in talking about distracting things, um, in life in general, we've had a lot going, going on at Casa Osborne. <laughs> and um, so... Melissa and I don't agree on which Jane Austen book we turn to in times of trouble. We, we had a, a conversation actually right before we started um, taping this um, because um, Jessica is Jessica's reading her go-to for comfort Jane Austen book, which is actually our To Kill a Mockingbird book for, for December. Um, but so Emma is my go-to Jane Austen comfort book. Persuasion is my favorite, but Persuasion is more of a serious book to me. Yeah. And Pride and Prejudice will always be my first love because it was the first Jane Austen I ever read. And I adore Sense and Sensibility. Northanger Abbey is... Mm. Or Northanger Abbey. I I say Northanger. It's Northanger. Yeah. Um, Is not my favorite, but I enjoy it. And I'm determined that I will make myself reread Mansfield Park in the near future because, um, poor Fanny falls, falls, um, at the bottom of my Jane Austen heroine, um, character list. But Emma Woodhouse, (laughs) the talented Emma Woodhouse, (laughs) um, just always amuses me. I just enjoy her. And I like, um, that it is three books in one and so I go through one part and it's not over and then there's another part and it's still not over and then there's more for me to read and so um, in general it's just my go-to when I need something to read but I, I'm having a hard time focusing. I enjoy Emma in spite of Emma. Oh well everybody enjoys Emma in spite of Emma. Yeah like I She's... like the I like the secondary characters in the book much more than I like Emma um, but Pride and Prejudice is always going to be my go-to comfort Jane Austen read. Well I guess different kinds of comfort like Pride and Prejudice is also one of my comfort reads but Emma is just diverting to mm-hmm. me because she said and there's some vocabulary in there that I love uh, that Mr. Woodhouse is a, I'm going to mispronounce it, a val, valudinarian, <laughs> which I had to look up and it was a lot of fun. Um, so, yes, Emma, Jane Austen, if you need some, if you are a rabid Jane Austen fan. Um, You've probably int- already read Emma. <laughs> You've probably already read Emma. In fact, we'd, we'd be interested to know what your go-to Jane Austen is. Yeah. Join our Jane Austen book group where we talk about all things Jane Austen. All things Jane Austen. <laughs> we agree. We disagree. Last time we went through the zodiac signs. It's true. We did um, 
pick out the zodiac signs for characters <laughs> in Pride and Prejudice, and uh, it was a very important conversation. It needed was. needed to happen. Yeah, we're still unsure about a few, but you know, you know, maybe they're on the cusp. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the next thing, um, again, it's the beginning of another series. I, I, let's just be honest; it's hard to find sci-fi and fantasy that is not you know a in a series. Um, but this one. Um, it's called Midnight Riot, and the mm-hmm. series is the Rivers of London series by Ben Aronovich. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ben Aronovich writes um, all kinds of things. He writes yeah. a ton of Doctor Who episodes. Um, the he, name is very familiar. Well, okay, so the reason the name is familiar, <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories, actually. Um, a couple years ago, um, when Joe Hill came to the Savannah Book Festival, yes. we had dinner with him and his fiance. And his fiance um, is an editor yes. um, and was his editor for, for <laughs> a while. Another absolutely yeah, that's great a, that's story. That's a, a story for another time. But um, she um, is British as well. And um, so we were just talking about a bunch of different things and we were talking about Doctor Who because Joe Hill is a giant nerd and I mm-hmm. love that about him. Um, but he said that he had um, tried to write a script for a Doctor Who episode <laughs> and so he had submitted it and they basically told him that they've never had a, um American write Doctor Who and they certainly mm-hmm. weren't going to start with him. Um <laughs> And Aww. so that led us to talking about Ben Aronovich, mm-hmm. and I was talking about how much I loved his books, and then I got him in trouble because apparently Joe's um, fiance was also his editor, and mm-hmm. he was late turning in a manuscript. So he got an angry email, and, oh, no. and I feel really bad about it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Midnight Riot is the beginning of the Rivers of London series. And they follow a police constable named Peter Grant. And he, um, his dream is to be a detective in the London Metropolitan Police. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, I would say that if Harry Potter grew up and Mm -hmm. was a London police officer, this is what would come out of this because um, Peter... um, becomes a part of um, this special crimes unit um, and he can do magic. And the way that he talks about magic in this is unlike anything I've heard before. It's a completely new and interesting um, way that magic works. And I I appreciate that because I read a lot of science fiction and fantasy. And to have a new... Um, mechanic for magic is unusual because lots of times they piggyback off of things. How does magic work? I don't want to tell because it ruins it. Um, But there's a lot of interaction with the rivers. Um, Mm -hmm. There's river gods and goddesses. um, And so that's the rivers of London. Um, It's just, again, super fun urban fantasy Mm -hmm. um, with a unique magical system, which is really fun. Okay. Yeah, so um, Rivers of London, Ben Aronovich. Very that. And there's also a graphic novel series that goes along with that, too. Well, very nice. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. Well, okay, so the last book I'm going to talk about is one that um, I actually read quite a while ago, 
and I don't know what made me think of it today, but um, it's one I think about from time to time, and it's it's by I'm probably not going to pronounce his name correctly, but Michael Andante. It's as close as I yes. could get to it. I I don't know. <laughs> and and you may know him for his other works. He um, he wrote the English Patient most mm-hmm. famously. Um, and that was the first book of his I read. And then I read In the Skin of the Lion, which I really enjoyed. And um, he's very Canadian in his writing. He's very polite and says, well, and says a boot. No, <laughs> not so much that. But, um, but, um, but in the Skin of the Lion, it's a more Canadian okay. book. Um, the English Patient, obviously, is not a Canadian Not, not so book. much Canadian. And then The Cat's Table... Um, is so well done that it almost seems autobiographical because it is about this journey that a young boy takes to um, an 11-year-old boy's journey that he takes on a large ship for three weeks to go through the Suez Canal and get up to England, and he's going to be reunited with his parents. And he's on this ship by himself, and um, he's seated at the cat's table, which is the table that's the furthest away from the captain's table. And it's made up of two other boys that he makes friends with and um, another, uh, just a cast of characters that are people who would not have been invited to sit at the captain's table. And it just talks about their adventures on the ship and his relationships. And, um, and it's, it's, it's really good, like all his writing. Um, and it leads nicely into his next book. I don't know... Um, I'm talking to the air out here. Um, his most recent book, which was Warlight. Um, which also seems autobiographical. Which also, and I think both of them are semi-autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes place, and I think I've talked about it before, in England uh, when his parents are having difficulties. Mm-hmm. And so The Cat's Table is just, it's kind of one of those books that I think people have forgotten about, but it's a great literary read, um, and it little reminiscent of Ship of Fools, uh, Catherine Ann Porter, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, it, it just has that wonderful sort of bygone era sea voyage feel to it um, mm-hmm. with well-developed characters and lots of pranks um, and mischief that happens on board, but also life lessons learned. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. <laughs> Minor shenanigans. Minor shenanigans. Um, and it is one of those books that, um, that, I, that, that you will think about over time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know. All right. All right. And so the last thing that I have is um, a book called The Steel Crow Saga by Paul Kruger. Um, we're, we're going all fantasy this time. Yeah. It, I, yes, I apologize. It's all That's fantasy. All right. um, so this one, uh, the, so I actually read this for our last science fiction and fantasy book club meeting. And the reason that I picked this one um, Aaron Morgenstern was raving about this book on social media and said it was the best fantasy that she had written or had read all year. And so I was like, well, hmm. I like Erin Morgenstern. So let's see what she likes. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was, it was set in what is basically Asia, 
but he didn't call the countries by their names. Mm -hmm. But you could tell that this one country was Japan, this one country was China, this one country was India. Okay, so I have a question for yeah. you. Not to, but just because I read a book like that not too long ago, and I think we discussed it, where it took place in Savannah. It was quite obviously Savannah. Mm -hmm. Tybee was called Tybee, which is... But a, Savannah wasn't called but Savannah. Savannah wasn't called Savannah. And yeah. I, it, I found it very distracting. Well, so I, don't, I didn't find this distracting. Tim actually was bothered by the fact that it was so similar to real life, but he didn't mm -hmm. call it by the real names. There was nothing that he... So he didn't say, like, where... They called Tybee, Tybee, but mm -hmm. Savannah wasn't Savannah. Everything was something different. But, like, um, in s talking about the one country's food, like, he mentioned bulgogi and kimchi. And I was like, okay, well, obviously that's supposed to be Korea. Mm -hmm. So there were... Yeah. I, it, I, was, it was interesting because there were... It was very clearly an allusion to these places, but he did not name them mm -hmm. as such. Um, so it was fantasy set in an Asian setting and, um, there, so there was one of the countries had invaded, um, other two of the other countries and eventually they got pushed back. Like the countries were fight, like the two other countries were fighting against them, but not fighting together against them. They, mm -hmm. they were not forming a coalition. Everyone was for themselves. Um, but the, the crux of the story is that, um, there is a soldier who is tasked with taking the prince of the defeated country back to his country to assume the throne Okay. Um, they want to keep him alive and put him back on the throne to resolve to resume sort of normal as a figurehead. Yeah, normal relations, mm -hmm. but under the the understanding that they're in you control. You stay there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there are um, people who can. It's called shadow pacting, mm -hmm. and so basically they form a bond with an animal, and they sort of um, they split their soul, and they are sort of soulmates with this animal. And the animal then becomes a part of them, and they can call the animal out as a fighting companion. It's almost like a crazy Pokemon sort of situation. Right, but also it's got a little bit of, um, I'm thinking of Philip Pullman. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Where actually your, your demon is your soul more yeah. or less. Well, this is you, um, you're, you're split basically. Okay. And the, the, your shade is what they call the mm -hmm. animal. Um, isn't always out. Like you have to call them out, and then they appear. And um, so they live sort of in another in your in, in your in your sort of consciousness. Like so, you can fit. So when it talks about them pacting, and um, one of the characters does it over the course of the book, mm -hmm. so you kind of see how it's done. Um, they can they have their consciousness in their head, so they can like feel each other's thoughts and kind of communicate telepathically with each other thought wise. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's really interesting, but they, so basically they, they use them as a fighting companion and then, sorry, now I'm getting visions of all the anime that I've watched with my kids over yeah, the years. Yeah. Um, so 
Um, and Pokemon has never been something that I'm into. So like, I was like, Oh yeah, if you say so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then the other thing, there's metal pacting. So there's, um, a group of people who can control metal just by Mm -hmm. like touching it. Like, so their cars don't have like engines in them. They just touch them and like their power goes into them and they are able to. Interesting. Yeah. And like their gun doesn't have like a trigger, like they packed with it and Mm -hmm. it like shoots and it makes their bullets go straight. And it's, and there's there's some things I would need to work out with that, but yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm they, yes, they explain it much better in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like I did not go into minutia about the yeah. name of the wind. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. but uh, anyway, um, the soldier who is tasked with protecting the the prince um, has a secret, um, mm-hmm. and you're not supposed to pact with humans. That's verboten. Okay. And you're not supposed to pact with more than one person or more than one being. So you have a shade that you're pacted with and right. you can't have more than one. Uh-huh. So the way that the, the world works, um, there are so rules. What happens? So do people fall in love or have mm-hmm. relationships? Yeah, yeah. So... How does that work with their? They that doesn't seem to be okay. Um, that doesn't seem to be a part of it. Um, it's interesting when you pact with an animal, though. Th- one of the cultures um, who's vegetarian um, thinks that pacting with animals is a form of slavery. That these animals are now. Enslaved. enslaved but during the pacting process in order for it to happen the animal requests something from you and you have to do what the animal requests so it it really is a bond like that there's an, an agreement between the two and you can't just pact with any well so animal. are the animals sentient they are yeah okay so they're that's different yeah okay all right. Well, that sounds interesting. It is. And I don't, I actually think it's a standalone. I don't think that there's. I was just about to say, is I'm, this the beginning of a series? I think it's a standalone. Like mm-hmm. it ends in a way that leads me to believe that it stands by itself and it doesn't show it as being a part of a series anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I think it is one that you could just read it and, and you're good. <laughs> Very good. Well, so now we'd like to welcome Dawn, who is our HarperCollins rep, and she is going to tell us about some excellent books coming up for their winter list. Yes, winter? Yes. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. We're delighted. <laughs> um, so first, I'm going to be telling you about a few children's titles that I really love that's on our winter list. Okay. Um, the first one is Amari and the Knight Brothers by B.B. Allison. It's a hardcover. Um, we actually won this in a heated auction, <laughs> and it's already been optioned for film, which should come out in like 2021. Very so that's exciting. really exciting. Yes. And it really is about this very sharp witted, fearless, like badass black girl who becomes a secret agent in order to find her missing brother. Okay. Her brother worked at this bureau of supernatural affairs, um, which she did not trust at all. And then he ended up disappearing. So in order to 
find him and rescue him, even though she doesn't trust this organization, she's faced with having to join the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of like is a little bit divergent mixed with X-Files. And I mean, it really is like, as you're reading it, you're on the edge of your seat, you know, a lot of action, a lot of plot driven action in it. And it's, it, Amari's challenges in the supernatural world kind of mirror challenges that we're having right now in the real world. Okay. Um, she's a black girl, you know, she's uh, at school and there's themes of racism and classism and prejudice. Um, so a lot of things that we deal with and, and children deal with today. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, first in a fantasy series nice and this will be coming out um at the end of january 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 19th all right well i actually have that one in my stack of things that i'm super excited to read um and on the back of it on the back of this arc it says harry potter meets men in black which um yes please i'm super excited for that one (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yes it was wonderful it was great comp very good. In the package, I mean, the package, unfortunately, the listeners can't um, see yet until they come in the store. Right. But um, the cover is just stunning. And, you know, just walking by, it pulls you right in. Very Just good. looking at the cover. So, yeah. I, I already think of several kids that shop at the store that I want to put this into the hands of. <laughs> so. Cool. We'd love to hear back from them, too. Yeah, Absolutely. And this was actually already picked um, as any next pick, and we're getting like some really great reviews in already. Excellent. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be tons more to come. So definitely worth picking this one up. It's on my docket for this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other one I decided to choose in the children's side is Box in the Woods, which it is a summer camp, murder mystery, um, Young adult fiction. Okay. Um, I don't know. Did you hear the um, selling series, uh, Truly Devious? Yeah. Have you ever heard of that series? Yeah. 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 Okay, so this is kind of like a continuation of that. But now you can read each of these books as a standalone mystery. So the same characters, new mysteries in each book. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah. This, this one's really good, too. This is about a girl. Her name is Stevie. And she accepts a job as a camp counselor so she can figure out what happened back in the 1970s um, at this Count Bounty Lake um, where these murders happened. Okay. And okay. she recruits some of her friends to come along, <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then soon thereafter, death returns to um, this place. And, uh, you know, it's up to her to try and solve the cold case from the past before the killer catches up with her. Um, and someone's out in the woods. So is it someone or something out there? Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. I just kind of pulled me right along. Um, and I, I really did like um, a few of her previous titles as well. I don't know if you ever had a chance to read her, um, but uh <laughs> I don't know if I've read anything by her before or not. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, she's a really great writer. That that right there is one of the reasons I never went to summer camp as a child. Because <laughs> someone's always being killed at summer camp. Let's just be honest. 
Okay, so I like all that stuff, and I always wanted to go to summer camp, and I couldn't go to summer camp. So, well, see, that's why you're still with us today. (laughs) (laughs) I like all that stuff. (laughs) I like the creepy stuff. Yeah, it's like I've I've noticed that I do like it. I always thought that I wasn't into the creepy stuff, but I've started reading more of it and more true crime stuff, and I was like, I'm secretly fascinated by this, and I don't know why. That's how I actually started reading, really getting into reading um, in my early teen years um, with true crime. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know. Yeah. I went from there, but I love, (laughs) that's my, yeah, that's my, um, my thing. I love going to uh, uh, true crime to get my, especially when you want to get out of where you're at in life now, escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when you're going back to different times and, you know, reading um, about different countries and putting yourself someplace, but here. Yeah. It's a, it's a, life can always be worse. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, hey, you could be getting chased by a killer. Oh, no. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, And then the last kid's title that I have um, is now coming out in paper. It was already out in the hardcover. It's called Other Words for Home. It's by Jasmine Warga. And this is just really a wonderful read. Um, It's a middle grade version of like very expanse of the sea. Mm -hmm. It's um, this Syrian girl who... um, has to come to live in the United States. Um, and it, it's really another timely story that touches about immigration, both legal and illegal, and refugees mm-hmm. and the struggles of this normal middle school girl that loves Syria. And now she has to move away um, to America with her pregnant mother for their own safety and the brother and the the father are left behind and, and, uh, you know, she just has to deal with all the changes in her life and all the struggles and how she's going to fit into, you know, this new landscape and, and how she's going to overcome being shy and, and making her way. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that it's told in verse. Oh, and excellent. Yes. Yes. And also, this in the hardcover did amazing, fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was um, not only received amazing reviews and awards, but the awards included the Newbery Honor Book and also uh, the Walter Honor Book um, for young readers. So, yeah, so this was um, amazing and got really amazing reviews. Um, so I would definitely uh, recommend picking that up in the paper. When does the paperback come out? And the paperback comes out April 6th. Very good. It has a beautiful cover too. Like I just, I, I want to pick that book up and read it. I just love the cover yes. of it. Yeah. Thank there you. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'm going to go on to some adults and we can talk about some adult titles. Okay. Very good. Great. So the first one I have is Julia Claiborne Johnson. Better luck next time. I don't know if you remember her um, previous book, Be Frank With Me. That did really well for us. It was an Indie Next bestseller. It Mm -hmm. sold really great in the indie market. Got really wonderful reviews. Um, 
Yeah, her her writing just really amazing. Librarians and, and booksellers really love her. This okay. kind of reminds you of a, a 50s movie. Okay. Um, it's a historical novel set in Reno back in the late 1930s on this dude ranch where these women seeking divorces come during that time period. And so, yeah, so this is like, it's set over like this six week uh, of the summer Mm -hmm. and it's narrated by this old doctor reminiscing about the summer that he spent there and looking back on his life and the women that influenced him in his life, um, which is the father, the author's father actually had a similar story of his own that inspired this book. Interesting. Um, Yeah, but Julie was not aware that, you know, of this story until after her father had passed. And so, yeah, so there's a a nice behind the book piece on that as well. Very cool. This was the one when you sent over the list of books that you were going to talk about and I was kind of reading the descriptions. I was like, this one is fascinating. (laughs) Yes. And this one here, um, it goes on sale January the 5th. Okay. And then I would love to talk to you about a really fun book, Confident Women, Swindlers, Grifters, Shapeshifters, and Feminine Persuasion. So this was very entertaining and really just, I told you I love the true crime stuff. This is (laughs) fascinating true crime about these female scammers and con artists through history and basically, like, the psychology of it. Um, okay. The author is from The Lady Killers, um, which has done really well in the indie oh, market I as well. Oh, I love that book. Yes, a great book. book. <laughs> yeah. And she goes back um, all the way to the 1700s up through today. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, collecting some um, tales of history of, you know, the most infamous female con artists. She re- spent a lot of time researching this. Um, she actually has a podcast, I don't know if you know that, called on CBS, called oh, Women, Why Women Kill. Oh, interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she also has another um, one, another podcast that is going to continue on until the publication of this book called uh, Criminal Broads. Okay. I believe it's called. And yeah, so this really is a lot of fun. It includes like, for example, it talks about um, Marie Antoinette and how this woman um, went to the royal jeweler where he made this necklace. It was like 647 diamonds and for Marie Antoinette. And (laughs) she pretended to be best friends with uh, Queen Marie Antoinette. So she, to steal the necklace, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's just one of the really cool, fun, um, true crime con artist stories that are in here. Very cool. Um, yeah. This one, is, I have an arc of in it. It's been on my shelf, and I'm glad that you reminded me of it because I really want to read it. Like I'm fascinated with like Catch Me If You Can and like grifters and con artists. So, like I think I just think it's really fascinating. So I'm excited to read that one. Excellent. I'm, I think you really will enjoy it. Yeah, it looks a lot of fun. <laughs> and I don't know, my theme maybe is a little back in the times. Um, 
And I didn't realize that until just now, but my next book is um, now out in paperback and we did a little refresh, refreshing of the cover. It's called mm-hmm. The Operator mm-hmm. by Gretchen Berg and it's coming out March 16th. Okay. Um, and this was her debut, uh, charming, upmarket women's fiction, maybe for fans of Catherine Stockett or Anna Quinlan. Okay. Um, and yeah, so this, this one was really a lot of fun too. It's about this dishy life in this small town, um, during the days of switchboard operators and this switchboard operator, which loves to eavesdrop all the time. (laughs) (laughs) She, and she knows everything, you know, she knows everything in the town. Anybody wants to know anything in the town. She, they just go to her. (laughs) And so she eavesdrops on a mystery caller and it ends up being about her and she's just mortified. So she's determined to get to the bottom of it and the ugly rumor and find out who this mystery caller is. And then like one secret leads to another. And yeah, so it was really, really good. Um, and this is going to have a PS edition in it as well. So it's going to be really great for reading groups. Nice. Nice. It was loosely inspired by her grandmother who was a switchboard operator back in the fifties. Hopefully she wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So, on yeah. So she had like a similar experience. <laughs> So yeah, so that was that was uh, a really fun book. I had I had a great time reading that. Yeah, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. And then the last one, and I know you read this. Yes, that's is, what, this is uh, our homework assignment. Yes, a homework assignment. <laughs> <laughs> so the last apothecary by Sarah Penner. So this is going on sale March second. Um, historical fiction and. She is writing a dual story, basically, in this one. Um, it's historical fiction set in present day in 1771. In 1771, it's about this apothecary and these women that visit the apothecary to purchase poison to poison the men that have done them wrong. <laughs> and the... Other part of the story, Caroline and James, they're going to go to London on their 10th anniversary. Um, And right before they're ready to go, she finds out that he cheated on her. So she goes alone at first. And she ends up going mudlarking. And there she finds this vial. And she's that washes up to shore and she's just really starts getting excited to find out about this vial and she starts doing some digging and then leads to back in the apothecary times. Mm -hmm. Um, It really just, I mean, I absolutely loved it. I did not expect the ending to be the way it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm like, wow, I think like I asked the author, I'm like, is there going to be another one? Because there's so many questions that I had that I wanted to know more about. And I don't want to really say too much because that'll give away the ending a little bit, I think. Yeah, but, yeah. but um, yeah, so I'm hoping to have another I, follow-up. I did have questions. Um, I did have questions with um, part of the ending as well. Uh, again, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Um but I will say that I really did enjoy um, like Nella and Eliza's 
story together. Um, and I thought Eliza was just a really interesting character who's Absolutely. Um, a 12 year old girl who comes to the apothecary to get a poison for her mistress. She works as a housemaid for a, a wealthy woman. And, right. um, and so she and the apothecary form a, a relationship that's really, really, it's kind of sweet, actually. I like it is, I, it's sweet and different and yeah, um, yeah, special in its own way. I mm-hmm. I really yeah, I really did enjoy um, their relationship as well. Uh, I don't want to say too. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's, it's I don't want to say it. I can't say. Well, because there's kind of the mystery aspect to it. You, it, it's, you yes. don't want to give it away. Um, but it well, was, I really feel that. I mean, she, the author, um, Sarah, she just switched characters and time, um, like time periods, just mm-hmm. really flawlessly. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, it just, it just worked really well together. And yeah, and I, I didn't, sometimes for me, when we're, when you switch back and forth and you kind of get too many characters and you, you lose back and then you're flipping back to say, wait, wait, what was that? Well, Mm -hmm. that happened with me in this book. I just thought everything flowed really good. I agree. And, and I think that she was smart to do just the kind of three viewpoints, um, uh, the three kind of main female characters. Right. Cause I think more than like, I think once you get like more than that, it, like you said, it gets confusing and muddy and, right. and sometimes you can't tell voices between characters, even though you know that the one chapter is supposed to be written from somebody's perspective. It just doesn't work. Um, but it, I loved listening to Sarah talk about how she came up with the idea for this, like learning what mudlarking was and actually going and doing it in London which if people don't know what mudlarking is, it's um, basically going on the riverbed of the Thames in London and just kind of searching for things that wash up. Like you can't use a shovel. You have to kind of just use find. Use your hands and yeah, you can't dig. Hand. And yeah. you just, whatever lies on the surface. Yeah. But people find like Roman coins. People find um, clay pipes, like all this random stuff from like, years and years and years of history that wash up on the banks of the river, which is kind of fascinating. It is. It makes me want to go there. Oh, me too. Like that's what, like, I was like, Hmm, well, when, when next I'm in London, (laughs) (laughs) digging on the side of the Thames. (laughs) Yeah. And I found myself, you know, I started reading this and then before I knew it, it was like one o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I finished. (laughs) And yeah, it wasn't good because I was tired the next day, but it was, no, it was really, it was amazing. It was an amazing book. Um, and if, you know, you want to get away from what's going on today, this is a great book to do that. It was, it was a lot of fun and it just, it really just kept you in the book and kept you going. Well, and it's very much about female empowerment and females raising females up and, you know, like just finding your kind of inner strength. Um, right. Which I, I appreciated. And I, again, people can't see it, but it has a gorgeous, gorgeous cover. Amazing cover. Yes. But they'll see it when they come in the store. That's right. And I was super excited. I got a tote bag with the cover of the book on it. He said to me, I was very excited. (laughs) 
great. It's one of the tote bags that my husband's allowing me to keep in my ever-growing tote bag collection. (laughs) Well, good. Yes, they are really nice. And that was, that was very nice. Yes. Um, And I know that, you know, there's going to be tons of publicity on this. So Mm -hmm. um, I know that there's going to be PW um, review and also they mentioned, I don't know if it's going yet or not. I didn't get the confirmation, but possible today show appearance so that would be really cool yeah yes um and we'll we'll wait and find out if we got picked but we did put in an event proposal to possibly do an event with her um at the store which would be super exciting because that would be so exciting yeah i will oh my goodness i would love to come there I love your store. It's so amazing. It has something for everyone. And, oh, thank you. you know, I love the, the charm. It's just, it's an amazing store. Well, Dawn, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about fabulous books, um, all of which that I haven't read already. I look forward to reading. Um, and it was delightful to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I had tons of fun. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry I missed the discussion with Dawn. I'm not exactly sure what was going on then, but there was something that was an emergency in my life that I had to take care of. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> a life happens. A life, life <laughs> happens. And so I missed that. But I did enjoy the last... Apothecary. Apothecary, <laughs> which is a word that has proven almost impossible for me to say <laughs> by Sarah Pinner. And um, even though there were things about the book that... Um, that I had a couple of issues with. In general, it's a book that I'm still thinking about. Mm-hmm. So I um, and the premise is excellent. So I think the I think that the things that we talked about that we kind of had issues with. I think it's because it's her first book. I think it's clear that it's a debut novel, but I think she has a lot of promise as a writer. And I think the I think the um, idea is really interesting like the, the concept idea, of the book the is really good the concept of the book is very good and i i look forward to hearing what don has to say about mm-hmm. it and um anyway so that's really all i've got this time yeah i think that's all i have too um so we will be back in a couple of weeks um we might wait until after we have our um conversation with Tony who Mm -hmm. is one of our Penguin Random House reps and she'll do kind of her picks for their spring list and we're reading a book with her as well yes um and we're reading nonfiction this time yeah it's a it's a memoir I believe Mm -hmm. yeah it is so um so that'll be in about three weeks yeah um you know with with Thanksgiving coming up and um the just the holiday shopping season which is going to be a little it's more a, difficult this time yeah it's 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 busy in the store which is wonderful and we're so grateful and um but we're also i i am am worried that if things continue um as they have been there's a possibility that things will shut down more and um our first goal is to keep um keep our customers and and our staff safe and so we'll see what the holidays bring yeah um but so far so good yeah and if nothing else we have a website we have a website (laughs) yes and we do we enjoy curbside deliveries and 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 um pickups and yeah 
all the things. So, well, take care of yourselves out there. Yes. Okay. Stay, Wash your hands. Yes. Wear a mask. Stay six feet apart. And, and yes, don't do any unnecessary, even small gatherings. We all want to make it to Christmas and the new year. So, well, on that happy note, happy Thanksgiving and, and be well and read all kinds of books. Yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thankful for, for us being here. <laughs>